We got to switch the culture from the inside out. The love of God, what you get right now. My bro Enoch, he about to switch the culture all across the globe. So hold tight if you lost control. Brothers and sisters, we gon' switch the culture. Let me mix with vultures. Point you to the cross, let conviction sculpture. Uh, switch the culture, his will be done. The most high, let your kingdom come. Christ Jesus. Yo, what's going on, brother? Well, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to Switch the Culture, episode one, officially. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I just, just for a reminder of everybody who's going to be listening in, welcome you guys to the show. Uh, this is a show where I find people from all over the world and let them tell their stories, promote their brand. So listen in to be encouraged and challenged and empowered to switch the culture. Pursue your dreams, everybody. I just think we could jump right into this. Um, yeah, I'll, gi- I'll give people a little bit of background real quick, and then I'll let you take it away, man. And so, Dadeft is from, he's from uh, Malaysia, and, Ooh. right, right, he's a he's a professional um, ballet artist, and I'm joking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's an ill, ill rapper. I had a privilege to actually meet him a few times, but I, I remember the first time I ever went to Malaysia back in 2013, I believe, 2000, yeah. Yeah, 2013, the first, 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 first time I ever went. And so I ended up meeting you on my, I believe, the second time. And so, because I met you through Daniel, right? Wasn't that how we met the first time? Through the event and stuff like that? We were at a passion, passion concert, that event. I was emceeing with Izzy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I also met the Australians, too, at that time. So that was a crazy time. But... Yeah, I think I just I, I actually have lived in Malaysia and I really love Malaysia. I have a lot of close friends there. Um, you're definitely one of my boys, man, and I respect everything you do. And so um, I just wanted to educate people a little bit, too, as like being an American who got to live and be a part of the culture in Malaysia. And so it's just such a diverse culture because like people speak all different kinds of languages, right? Like how many languages do you speak, bro? Oh, me? Uh, yeah. I don't speak a lot, no, actually. No, I speak, like, English was my first language. Then I have uh, basic Malay, mm-hmm. um, very basic Chinese, like, super basic. Malay, I'm a bit more advanced. And then we have, um, I don't speak Tamil. Yeah, okay. I can understand a bit. So in, like, the Chinese um, um, community, they have, like, many dialects as well. I can understand a couple of dialects, but I need, like, speak very basic Mandarin. So... <laughs> I yeah, mean, you speak better Mandarin than I do, man. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, though, people sounds, gotta understand stuff, when yeah. you when you say I speak basic Mandarin, like that's that's not easy. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, dude, like Mandarin is like one of the hardest languages in the world, and it's true too. You know, like with Chinese, like that's a whole that's a whole nother yeah, world whole, because Chinese yeah, people don't even be speaking Chinese, man. Like there's so many dialects, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because there's so many, many dialects in China. That's, that's where it came from. That's the history of it, man. There's so many cultures and stuff, man. So, and I love talking about that. That's, I mean, this is where I, I kind of came up with the whole name of switch the culture. Cause I think just to understand life, man, there's so much cultures around the world that, that are rich with, so many things, so many, you know, art, language, music, dance, everything that embodies the definition of culture. But 
you know, me and you come from a very specific culture, which I think is one of the dopest, and that's hip hop, right? <laughs> and so, hip hop rules the world. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, today I just wanted to interview you, man, and give you a shout out. My heart and doing this kind of podcast is to just let people know who really exists out there. You know, who's doing something in their culture that they're from. Who's who's being creative. Who's, um, you know. Your whole story, basically, what have you faced in adversity to be who you are? Like what, um, you know, what, yeah. what, why did you choose the talent that you have? And so maybe we could just kind of kick yeah. it off and start it off there. Like you're a rapper, right? Yeah, I had a thought. That's your element. I had a thought like before we, we kick it off, yeah. um, kick it off. Uh, since it's like the first kind of like uh, episode of your podcast, uh-huh. do you think it'd be good if we pray before we started? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, totally, man. We could do that. <laughs> I pray, I will go yeah. pray, and I'm like, God, I hope that this is this is a connection works. <laughs> That's oh, all yeah, I care about. <laughs> I was just like, yo, just make the connection work. Yeah, man. Go ahead, man. You can start. Oh, me? Okay, cool. Yo, um, thank you, God, for this time that we can have, um, although we're in different time zones and we are like interacting through this app, but I pray that whatever discussion that will transpire in the next, um, half an hour to an hour i pray that you'll be the center of focus and our discussions that at the end of the day you'll be glorified I pray all this um lead the way in jesus name i pray amen amen yeah man like all right. tell us about yourself man and why you rap and like what's what's the deal okay so um i go by the name the deft um so it's actually a d a d f t is more like a t h e and deft oh that deaf yeah yeah. yeah, the death. So I was like playing like, yo, I'm going to call myself now. I actually used to be called another name and I was like, nah, I'm going to rebrand this thing. So it's all the handles and social media stuff. And yeah, so I settled on this one. And deft um, literally means uh, dexterous or smart or capable or like super dope stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm just wow. going to roll with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So... That's uh, how I got my name, just to, just to put it out there. But I started rapping or got inclined to it at the age of 10 when I first heard the first rap song I ever heard. I think I just said the same thing over again. Anyway, yeah, that was um, age 10, I got interested. Age 12, I started um, mimicking other people's raps. At age 14, I started to write my raps. 16, around 15, 16, I started to perform them. And my first paid gig was when I was 18. And all the way up to now, it's been around like, what, 10 over years since 18 until now. So, yeah, man, I've been doing it for a minute. Um, That's mainly, dope, man. That's so yeah. dope because, I mean, you say your first paid gig. Yo, there's rappers that have been rapping for years and they still don't got a paid gig yet. So you got, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. But, yeah, it definitely um, came, I believe it's God's providence because, like, he led the way. I was like... At 18, I mean, I've seen a lot of stories like people made it blew up and all that and rap and, you know, mm-hmm. they had like, a, they knew that they want to be a rapper. But for me, it was different, you know, the culture that I come from, it's like Malaysia, you know, Malaysian hip hop is, I mean, for those of you not know, Malaysian hip hop is, I believe it's still very infantile. But right now it's like, it's booming, um, especially with Instagram and a lot of them. Um, um, you just check it out, M-Y-H-H code, C-O-D-E. It's like everybody is a rapper on Instagram. It's an Insta rapper wow. in Malaysia. So I'm like, yo, yeah. But um, previously, we didn't have a lot of that. The OGs are still around, but the OGs do not rap no more. They'd be like, more like celebrities or like ambassadors and they're doing other stuff. <laughs> Even like Def Jam. Yeah. Yeah, Def Jam actually came over in um, Southeast Asia and it's controlled by one of the, not controlled, but the head of it is one of the OGs. 
uh, Joe Flizzo. So shout out to him and with the whole team, you know. So that's what they're doing now, managing artists and all that kind of stuff. So now it's like the new bloods is coming in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that is Malaysian hip hop. In a nutshell, like super quick. But for me, um, yeah, I didn't have any of that. I didn't like want to be a rapper or stuff like that. I really, um, it was my outlet. I needed a, a space. I needed a way to express myself. I was a pretty angry, angry kid. And I decided to go with writing, rhyming. And I'm like, yeah. And obviously, the, the new school um, kids would be like, Eminem, you know, like, so he's the very angry, you know, um, one that made it flip it all over the place. And we'd be like, yeah. So we look up to him. And so he was like my biggest inspiration. And yeah, that, that's what I... And from, from there, I just like continued, you know, venting. That, that's what I did. So hip hop or rap specifically was my outlet to vent. If not, I'll probably go with like other stuff, which is probably not so nice, I guess. So yeah, this is the safest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What was, what was uh, the first was... song you ever heard? <laughs> the first yeah, rap song was not really a rap song, though. It was like, you know, okay. that song, um, I think it's Butterfly by the Crazy Snake or something. I think that's how, that's, that's a, yeah. <laughs> okay. Butterfly <laughs> by Crazy one. Snake. I think it's Crazy Snake, though, uh, or something like that. I don't know what they call themselves anymore, but um, it's like, you know, come, my lady, come, come, my lady, that very old song, you know, and it's like, yeah. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> so that was the first one. Then later on, I listened to, like, Puff. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. so you went straight. Yeah, you went straight. Puff, Puff is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, not, not Crazy Snake. It's Crazy Town. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was like, Crazy <laughs> Snake. You Google Crazy Snake, you nah, get some so- National Geographic type stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah crazy town made more sense i'm like crazy <laughs> town I, I get that but i don't know yeah anyway but yeah then i went straight to um puff with um he mm-hmm. got he flipped the i'll be missing you yeah he flipped that for biggie so i listened to that one that was like yeah. and before that was like you know blue with all rise that little 16 bar thing so yeah that's that's how i got into the whole game yeah man that's dope Man, you know, as people just get to know you on the show and stuff, like definitely I'm a, we're going to play your track at the end of the segment so people can, can hear your music and, you know, we'll give a shout out. Um, what's your Instagram? What's your Instagram name so people can look you up and add you and follow you? Yeah, D-A-D-E-F-T on all social media handles. The Deft. As the Deft. Easy, short, simple. No tricky, weird symbols in there or things, but bro, bro, I'm 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 so mad, man, because someone stole my name, man. And you know, what? sure, yeah, like not like. Well, I'm saying this to be pretty biased, but I'm like, yo, I so my Instagram name, I wanted it to be B Boy Ena, because you know, break dancers, you know, you know, we call ourselves B Boy, yeah. even though we're grown men, but B Boy, <laughs> you know, Ena. And uh, I had to put like a little underscore, whatever little dash thing yeah. in it. Because, like, when you type in B-Boy Enoch, there's some random kid that has, like, seven followers. And I'm like, bro. Oh, man. For the sake. Like, you got seven followers, man. Just delete your account, bro. Let me get that name, man. (laughs) And I'm just like, I wish I could kind of, like, I try to add him and stuff, bro. So I could, like, be like, hey, bro, can you change your name? Yeah, he got like six followers now. Oh man. snap, bro! He he, I don't know. He's on. He's on. He's on the move, bro. He might be stealing some of my account, man. You know, he's like, yo, be boy, you not. He's like, wait a minute, this is not no Puerto Rican dude. No, so, dude. It's like, yo. Yeah. So I'm kind of sad about that, but you know, it is what it is. But hey, you got a unique name, man, and it's dope, and Thank like you. you know, you you're really concrete in it. And um, hey, we could probably, I say we could just even kind of go off this, but what you said earlier, bro, this is something personal I have not told a lot of people, but 
um, I really linked with that, man. When you said like you've kind of changed your name in the past and you were trying to figure out kind of how you want to like what kind of how you want to brand yourself. Like yeah. my whole life growing up, like I constantly kept changing my breakdance name because like I lacked identity and I didn't really mm. know like both, I guess, my style. So for B-Boys, a lot of times, you know, we might be named by like a crewmate of ours or maybe someone who mentored us in dance or something like that, um, yeah. you know, but. You know, it's for me, it's like I, I kind of was on my path, you know, trying to find both my style and breakdance, but at the same time, my identity and, you know, who I want to become as a person. And so I changed my breakdance name so many times because I had like I, because of the different seasons of life I was in, my my lifestyle changed, you know, yeah. not my style of dancing. Yeah. So back in the day, I was like, I used to sell drugs and stuff. And at that time I was like called B-Boy Chemist. And it was like, oh, but Chemist is always in the lab and stuff. And I wasn't actually like making a lot of drugs. I was selling them, but I wasn't making them. And so like just that, <laughs> in that sense, like, um, you know, that's kind of how I linked. It was like, I was the person in the lab. I was creative or whatever. But later when I actually gave my life to God, um, I wanted to change that. And so, you know, I became Enoch, the man who walks with God. Yeah. And I wanted to represent that name. And so, yeah, that's, oh, yeah, that's cool, man, that you, you know, your name is definitely original. And um, mm. just speaking of identity and stuff like that, like, what do you, like, back to like the music side of things, like with rap, like, do, what do you identify? <laughs> I got, I guess this is a big question for today's generation period, but like, who do you identify as in rap style? Like, like, what's your genre in rap? Like, you notice know, that even in itself has grown so much. Like, you got trap music, you got boom bap, you know, old school stuff. So, like, what do you feel like? Mm. You're, do you have more of a style that you gravitate towards uh, with your rap? Yeah. Definitely. Um, so for me would be when I used like before, like what you said early on in my rapping days, uh, when I used to write and used to rap, it was really quick. It was really fast. And back then my mom was like my biggest supporter. She was like, yo, this is good, but I don't understand anything. Maybe you should slow down. <laughs> yeah. so, every, know, mom, yeah, yeah, so every mom, every mom, every mom will say that. Right. And I'll be like, okay, mom. <laughs> so, because I had like nobody at the time, you know, like, so, um, in here in Malaysia, in like a small circle and all that, we didn't really have like, uh, like I said, I don't really have a thriving hip hop culture at the time. It's like real small uh, pockets here and there. So I was like probably the only rapper around my hood. And I'll be like, okay, uh, listen to what mom says, you know? So I kind of slowed it down and went for a bit like a happy kind of tone in my raps and all that. But then I noticed because like I said, rapping for me was like a place to vent and outlet. And I noticed I kept gravitating back to some like darkness and like in a sense my my writings were dark because they came from a dark space. I needed mm. to vent, and it was really aggressive. And it was usually aggressive. It was usually um not happy in the sense of the tone. It was just sure. like me spewing my guts out. So that, that's why Eminem, I guess, had such a um impression on me. So I was like, okay, cool. So even like for my recent songs that I, I released, like last year I released one song, um, Betty Ross. So when I put that out, um, people will tell me like, yo, that Eminem vibe is so real in that one because I really like, 
I really vented and that one had like this kind of like a grunge in my my voice and I kind of like growled a bit and that's how Eminem does it as well but mm-hmm. I've been doing it for like a long time I mean like screaming all that I mean that's, that's what I do but that's what people do you know what I'm saying but I guess when you put that and that together and people look at it and they'll be like okay that's Eminem you know what I'm saying so I'll be like yeah but for me I'm more like a lyrical I'll look at it a lyrical guy metaphorical I'll try to be as creative as I can my words because I tend to be very cryptic about it as well because sure, sure. you know, I like to be a bit like, you know, I'm saying this, but you don't really get it. Yeah, so yeah. You, yeah. And, you give yeah. people to so think. You want people to it. think after they've listened exactly. to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That is what you're on, a, you're on a spot, right? You're, you're on a dot. I mean, like, I, when I put out a song, when I write a song, I actually want people to leave after listening to the song, uh, to the song, actually thinking about it. Like, mm-hmm. yo, what did he just say? You know, like, um, oh, he said that? What does that mean? I want people to actually think about it, not just like listen. Oh, okay, that's a good bop, and yeah, that's it. You know, turn off the radio, or whatever. I'm like, so that's how I gravitate. So my music, in terms of that, has been um, deep. I try to keep it deep, but clear at times as well. If it's gonna be explicit, like in your face, like Jesus is King, then yeah, let it be. But most of the time, it's pretty cryptic. Um, in terms of sound wise, soundscape, I like um, ambient sounds, a lot of big sounds, like orchestrated kind of sounds. Yeah. So like the song that you're gonna play at the end. Uh, it's called Get Wrecked. So that one has a lot of... Uh, <laughs> that sounds real. <laughs> Get wrecked. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds real, man. Yeah. yeah. So that came from a, like, a hard space when I was in. Like, uh, I had like a kind of like a kind of a role with my mom and some of the things that was happening. So usually that's just how it is, you know. Like mm-hmm. we're so close to the ones we love and yeah, we hurt them the most and they hurt us the most. And um, that's, that's what happens. So usually I write from that uh, experiences and all that. But um, yeah, so Get Wrecked is very ambient in that sense, but not like, oh, very chill, ambient. No, it's like a lot of, um, it's just big space, you know what I'm saying? Big sounds. Yeah, so I gravitate more to that kind of music, more spacey music and yeah. Yeah. Wow, bro. I hope that's that answers the question. <laughs> no, that's dope, man. Like that's, that's, that's dope, man. That's real. So you're like a real rapper thought-provoking rapper, aggressive rapper. I, mean, I think of people like NF, you know, like NF is, yeah. it's, it's, mm. it's interesting the the crowd of people that the, you know, fan base or what, what crowd of people that you, you yeah. reach out to because they vibe with you by, you know, your experience and how they connect to your music. And so people like NF, like he, he lost his mother, right? Like his mother passed away. Yeah. And so he's got a lot of pain and a lot of anger. And people will be like, yo, when you gonna make like a happy song, man? You know, like he makes it. Yeah. But I like actually a lot of NF stuff. And it, it is, it's definitely a, an intense mood it brings to when you're listening, but it's also very thought provoking. And I'm, honestly, I feel more grateful after I've heard his music. I'm like, man, he's been through some stuff. And, you know, I'm so grateful. And and so, yeah, I've, another thing I think I'd just be good to jump into is like as you started talking about family and stuff like that. I've known you for a while. And I mean, the last time I was in Malaysia, you got to really share your your, your testimony with me, your heart. And it really it really hit me hard, man. And so, you're, you know, you're able you're welcome to share whatever how to share that or whatever parts you want. But um. I just want the listeners and people to get to know you more. Um, especially you was talking about your moms and stuff like that. Like let, let people yeah. know, um, you know, as I was thinking about you to be the first guest on my show, honestly, part of that was just because of your story and who you are. I really honor you, man. And what you've mm-hmm. gone through to be where you are now. Another reason I thought to think of you too, is because of just some of the hype right now with like, you know, we've had the George Floyd stuff happening. 
um, in the states and just tension and 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 racial tension and different things like that. And I think your story, bro, is very very unique in that, like you know, the adversities you faced, but also just the dynamic of how you grown up. And so, yes. kind of pitching that and hyping you up, man. You can go ahead and start wherever you want, but I would love for you to just share your story with us. Yeah. So let me just uh, jump off um, from the George Floyd one and the Black sure. Lives Matter movement and yeah, um, sure. To Black Lives, yeah. So I was like, um, the things that I faced, I would say from the get go, is like definitely not like what um, those people in the states. I mean, our black brothers in the states and our black brothers and sisters in the states are facing. Like, I mean, I'm not like being brutally like you know, like getting chased and all that by the cops and all that kind of stuff. I don't have to be in a, in a kind of state of fear all the time. So to a sense, like, um, I come from a bit of a different, more like a social kind of construct, not like that kind of a physical kind of stuff. But I, yeah, but I just want to say that because like, I don't want to patronize people as well with the sense. Mm-hmm. And like, I just want to be real with them. Like, I don't understand because I can't, you know, and I, I hope I, I really can empathize with it because it's crazy, man. Any kind of injustice, any kind of against the race, the color of your skin, I can probably get a bit like the taste of it from the color of the skin and cutting the treatment, but not a full extent. And I just, I just want to say like, I'm a bit overwhelmed as well, just speaking about it because it's like, yeah. I'm getting a bit of it. I'm, I'm feeling a bit like, you know, um, here and there, I'm like, oh man, this is so, it sucks a bit, but yo, these people can kill, man. So, <laughs> That's like crazy. That's like some on another level, man. So I just want to put it out there real quick. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, so I just want to say, um, so my story. So yeah, my name, my, my given name, my birth name is Aaron Louis Dingwei. So that's like a Chinese name. <laughs> that's a long name. I remember when you were like sending me like, yo, this is my email to call in. I'm like, yo, bro, it sounds like you got four names, man. <laughs> <What's going on>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Aaron is... Um, or, Aaron or Aaron, however you want to pronounce it anyway. Um, it's the Christian name. And then we have Lui Dingwei. It's like all Chinese guys, you know, the first surname, which is Lui. And then Dingwei is like the other two names. The You know, it's part of the Chinese um, naming system, right? So, yeah. So usually it's very common here. You have like people with four names in a sense of four like names. Anyway, um, so yeah. But I look nothing like a Chinese actually because yeah. I'm very dark skin. <laughs> so yeah. You a Chinese dude that's <laughs> seen the sun for a while, man. You've been in the you've been yeah, in the I've been, not for a while for a minute, for a long minute, for a hot minute. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I am um really, really, really tan. Okay. <laughs> I'm like it's a really tan. Okay, so I look like a, I look like a Malay dude. Uh, yeah, if you have never seen a Malay dude, um, yeah, I look like a Malay dude. But so genetically or biologically, I'm actually mixed. I'm Chinese uh, ethnicity uh, mixed with Indian ethnicity. Ethnicity, so it's like Chinese and Indian. So they call it Chindian. You know, that's what it is. So in Malaysia, I look like a Malay. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's from the get go. <laughs> from the get go. But the interesting thing is, um. I'm brought up in a Chinese family, like full, full on Chinese family. So then when I ask, when people ask me like, yo, so what are you? Yeah. So in Malaysia, people also tend to ask that kind of stupid question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what are you? They don't ask who are you. It's like, what are you? I'm like, yo, I'm cake mix. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh snap! Like, I'm yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because oh. like, yo, I had to this like so many times. I'm like, I'm so bored of it. I'm so annoyed with it. I'm like, yeah, just you just mess it, with you know? people. Just mess with people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I grew up in a full-on Chinese family. I don't look like them. Reason because I'm adopted. Mm. So, yeah. So that's like, whoa, the big spoiler alert, right? So mm. back when I was a kid, like from birth. Right. So this is the story that my um, adopted mom told me. All right. Okay. And yeah. So the mom, you know, that I have, and she's mom, you know, she's mom. So anyway, she told me that um, my biological mom was actually from, so in Malaysia, we have like, you know, up north and all that, a very, very small country compared to the States, you know, anyway. So up north, my mom was from up north and she actually, my biological mom, and she was eight, she was 18. She had to run away from home um, wow. because her dad, her dad, right, would, um, actually, well, he kind of, um, he murdered somebody. So really? he Whoa. murdered. Wow, yeah. dude, so that's he, crazy. <laughs> so my biological mom's um, dad, that means my biological grandfather, murdered um, my biological grandmother's boyfriend. That was what mm-hmm. I heard. And he went to jail. Right. So she was like, okay, I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? This is messed up. You know, so she went all the way down south. So from the north, she went all the way down south. And she was only like, what, 18 and stuff, maybe a bit younger. But then she had to work, she fend for herself. And she was a bar girl. And, you know, 18, bar girl, got to make a living. She, you know, right. and, and, you know, she did some stuff. And, um, sure. Yeah, but accident, you know, like uh, stuff happened in the dark, you know, great babies so that was me right so right. i was i was actually an accident so yeah me too um, but you know what see god always has a plan right because you can be an accident but god gives you a purpose man he, he exactly, you're not an accident exactly. to him you know what i mean exactly amen in christianity there's no such things as accidents so it's all providence because what happened was uh, when my biological mom had me she was i'll say um, i had new respect for her when i found out that um, she could have, but she did not abort me. So that's crazy. What could oh. have she done? Like, what could have she done? What could she have done? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So it's like, yo, but she did not. She was very courageous, very bold, and she went on ahead with it, and she delivered me, and she put me up for adoption. And that was yeah. when my mom, my adopted mom, what she did was she was actually um, praying for a baby. Wow. So this was interesting because she wow. prayed. Okay, this is, this is where things get a bit crazy. So she prayed the prayer of Hannah. So Hannah and Samuel in the Bible, she actually prayed like, so the story of Hannah and Samuel was like, Hannah was like, God, give me a baby and I'll dedicate this baby to you at temple service, for temple service, you know, you served in a temple. So she prayed that prayer, unbeknownst to her, that I was already born. And 10 days after she prayed that, she received a call. Mm -hmm. Now, you see, my mom was not from the South. My mom was probably like a, a bit on the Western side of where I was born. So she had to travel down South and come and get me. So that was like pretty when you say that, like, what's that mean? Like, how far is that distance wise? Did she travel? Uh, she had traveled like from one state to the next. Yeah, that, that's probably good. <laughs> I, I don't know about like the distance wise. Um, anyway, sure. yeah, from one state sure. to the next. Sure, that's wow. how it is. And um, yeah, so travel interstate travel came all the way down, got me, and just minutes before another family actually um, came in and wanted me as well. So wow. she made like a deposit. Yeah. So it's like just an instant. If like she waited a bit or she was late or she was delayed a bit or waited a bit longer, yeah. I would have been snatched up. You would have been by another, been with another family. Yeah. And I probably not been like here speaking to you right now. So a lot of things could you have know. transpired. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, <laughs> because apparently what she told me was that family wasn't Christian. See, so well, what I mean is like, uh, I'm not saying about, I'm not being divisive about Christian, non-Christian. I'm just saying that God has a plan. Yeah, you know? I mean, you could, yeah, you could have grew up in a different thing, you know. I know Ma- Malaysia, is, everything. Malaysia is predominantly Muslim, right? And so depending yeah, on the, the ethnic well. groups you come from, right? Because like I said, it's just such a melting pot of people because you have the Malay Indian, you have Malay Chinese, and then Malay uh, people. The Malays and the Chinese and Indian, all of us were actually... We came here. <laughs> right, right, see. right. All of us came here. Kind of like the states. Yeah. Like in America, we had the Native Americans that were there first. Yeah. And you then know, first, and then everyone and then else came. All, you know a mixing, saying? again, another mixing kind yeah. of melting pot of exactly. different types of ethnics came into America. Yes, yeah. so very similar. Going back to ethnicity and going back to my race and going back to how I came from. So mm. all this is like linked, you know what I'm saying? It's like a whole worldview. Mm. Yeah, it came from how I actually embraced my identity as well. So yeah, man. So up, right, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go back to your story too. Like that's the yeah, the man. like growing up as like being like having being mixed and stuff. Yeah. But you said, are you were you yeah. like really you grew up Chinese basically? Like yeah, so culturally Chinese, but I look nothing like yeah culturally Chinese, mm-hmm. but I look nothing like them. So that's like a the dichotomy already, right? A disparity. And when I so my mom was like, she didn't want to tell me yet because you know that's a particular time when they wanted to actually tell me that I'm adopted and all that. Yeah, um, man. Wait. But what happened was I was bullied in school for the way I looked because mm. um, I was like, yo, I'm, like I said, I'm very tanned. And um, <laughs> yeah. my mom actually, <laughs> and my mom actually, so it's all over the place, man. When you're dark skinned, it's like, it's a, it's a thing that has been embedded in people's people's minds. It's like your dark skin, even like for us, like the Indians, they're dark. And I remember like even in school, like some of the among the Chinese people, I'm I'm just gonna say it out, man, because I've been in all I've been I've been hanging out with Malays, the Chinese, the Indians. I mean like, yo, I see Everybody. race and I get the differences, and that's what it is, man. I'm not just saying it out there real real quick, right? So they'd be saying, like, oh, you know, these Indians, um, this these Indians people, like, oh, you know, there's there's dark and so black, you know, they don't bathe, they smell, all this kind of stuff. And then right. they talk about the Malays and the Chinese talk about everybody. So it's like everybody talks about everybody, new. bro. Everybody talks about everybody. It's not new, you know what I'm saying? It's just that how <laughs> we gonna look at the differences and accept it. So what happened was my mom was like just sharing out important stuff to a teacher in school, and this mm-hmm. teacher with a big mouth mentioned to some parent, and the parent told the child, which is the son. Wow. And the son, actually, who happens to be my best friend, apparently best friend, quote-unquote, more like a friend of me, he mm-hmm. made fun of me, <laughs> right? Wow. And yeah. he was like, there's this phrase in Malay called anak angkat, okay? Which is literally just means adopt a child. Angkat means to take. So anak means child. So taking okay. a child or you lift a child, that means like you're adopted child. But mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was, you know. I was so young, I was like probably like um I was like ten, no, I was around ten, maybe a bit younger. No, I was eight. So he okay. did that to me, he said that to me with a negative uh, note, negative notion, right? He said like, yo, he was like jeering at me and I'm like, yo, what does that even mean, man? Because my Malay was bad at the time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I literally did not know what it meant, what it, what it meant until later on I was like, dang, that meant adopted. What does that mean? So I was like, I went and I kind of figured out a bit here and there. Then I went over to my mom and I was like, um, I kind of asked her, like, she said, I asked her, like, are you my mom? Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was like, that was well, heavy. So tell, was like yeah, tell me about old. that day, like, you were, so yeah, you were, like, pretty young still. 
And like oh, yeah. when you asked her that, what like how did she respond? Yeah, um, she told me like I asked her whether she was my mom, but I remember was like I asked her was like, I was a, was that her son? You know, stuff like that. So like mm-hmm. different people have different kinds of their memory, but it was the same kind of thing. So she responded in a way that um, she, as what I can remember, I mean, obviously they were crying and all that, but that was really chills about it. But my mom was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I, she was like, she said like, I, she kind of explained to me in a sense mm-hmm. where I was so young, but what I could understand was like, she is my mother and does it, I still love you and all that kind of stuff. And does it make a difference? You know, stuff like that, that you're not my, from my child. You're not from me, you know, you're not my yeah. son in a sense. You're not, you know, like not natural, but I still love you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so that was a hard thing to do, but she really like, you know, she took some time, I think a couple of days, maybe, um, I do not know, but I don't remember because it's so vague and all that, but she actually did call focus in the family and you know, how, how to break the news and all kind of stuff. So she went, went with it and yeah. So that was like my first wake up call. I was like, dang, I am, I am not from this people, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In a right. Sense. Mm. But on and on. So when people like my friends and so I grew up right in that kind of environment, I was like, okay, I'm adopted. I'm trying to figure that out, trying to navigate what, a, what the whole thing was. But um, then when, as I grew up and people asked me, so uh, what race are you? So wow. this is the thing, right? Yeah. In, yeah. in my registrar, I'm actually um, registered as an Indian because apparently my biological mom, no, my biological mom literally was an Indian. I'm out of wedlock. So I'm just going to say it. So if like you, you call someone a bastard child, so I'm like, I'm, definition of that you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. you know these words when people use it against me or use it to say about something I'll, I'll be like i'll be i'll be like i'll i'll clack back you know what i'm saying like you know you don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> because if you have to look at a definition itself man i embody that definition i say it a bit like a bit proudly or like mm-hmm. i wear like a badge and honor of honor because i know my identity so i'll mm-hmm. get back to that later like who i am right now so that doesn't really phase me mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to go with it. And like, so I, I didn't know, and she didn't really know as well. Uh, well kind of knew, but she was like, no, you're Chinese. She actually like told me like, since you're brought up in a Chinese family, when mm-hmm. people ask you, you just say that you're Chinese. And when they, and then people are very weird or funny or whatever you call them. But they say, oh, you're Chinese. Then they ask you another question. Are you pure Chinese then? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, I know. yo, yeah, put another lay on that. What kind of Chinese so are like, you? <laughs> yeah, like, what kind of Chinese are you? I'm like, so I'm like, then I was like, oh yeah, I'm pure Chinese. <laughs> I didn't know I was young and stupid. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I can, yeah, but, I can um, imagine that how those kind of conversations have gone when you, yeah. especially when you're talking to a person who's Chinese and they're and they're, you're saying you're Chinese, and so it's like it's they're like, well, you don't look like. And me. then they they and then they look at me, my name, and I'm like, I have a full Chinese name, like a full on Chinese name as well. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, right. <laughs> And then they look at my parents like, my mom is super fair, like a Snow White, you know what I'm kind of wow. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, yeah. So going with that, I'm like, okay. Until it came a point of time where I was like, I can't keep telling people I'm pure Chinese because I'm not. Mm. And I told my mom, like, then there was one fine day we actually went to the registrar. My mom actually wanted to find out. I actually wanted to change my race in a sense, in a way. Because, mm-hmm. like, she wanted to embody it, you know what I'm saying? Like, she was so convinced or she was like, she wanted... My mom yeah. uh, meant well, okay? I just right, put it yeah. on there. She sure, meant well. She sure. wanted to protect me. She didn't want to say all these things and all that. And it was really hard for her in the beginning as well because, like I said, my mom was so fair. And just imagine her story in the beginning when she took a brown child like me, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was a baby, a brown baby, and she was so fair. And my dad was like a bit tan of a Chinese man, but 
nothing like me. So mm. she had a lot of stigma as well attached to her, what she was Sure, doing. like not just you facing that, but like maybe, yeah, her, yeah. her circle of friends and or I, people around her. Yeah. You know? So that's the thing, right? So there were like lots of instances where strangers would come up to my mom when I was a child and like even in the supermarket and they were like, yo, yeah. is your uh, is that your adopted son? Like out of the blue, man. And my mom's like, it's none of your business. <laughs> I yeah, like, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's so messed up, man. I mean, but people are people and they're inquisitive. Sure. It's like, okay, fine. But I believe there's a way to ask the question and whatever. Mm. But um, come back to it. So we went and registered and we found out that my race is actually Indian. And I was like, mm. that was one of the second blow I took. So first blow I took when I was young, like around eight, nine, I was like, oh, okay, I'm adopted. Second one was I went to register. I was like, oh, I'm Indian. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now I was like, I'm trying to like get into my identity, like trying to uh, understand it. Okay. So who am I right now? Right. And as I grow, uh, as I grew, when I came like to the age of like 18, okay. So this is where it came about, right? 18, I finally and. Like from that moment when like register, I was probably like, I think 13 or 15 something. So like five, three to five years after when I came to 18, that three, five years I was struggling and I was like, I'm trying to accept who I was. I was um, even name called, like people call me black Chinese because I rap and all that. And I sound like this with a, you know, yeah. American accent, but you know, that's how it is, right? <laughs> so yeah. whatever. So I grew up in a private school as well. So people... Actually, before that, they actually asked me, yo, why do you have an accent? I was like, what accent? You know, like, I mean, I grew up mm. in American television. So yeah. this is how I speak. You know what I'm saying? America raised so, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like, this is how I speak. You know, it's my humor. This is how I speak. This is who I am. You know, what is or whatever. I mean, when to say it. Um, but when I was when I was at um, uh, Sydney, Australia, the last time I met you as well at Crosswoods, um, mm. They said that uh, we tend to culture switch. They, what was it called? Uh, not switch the culture. We do, what was it called again? We, we kind of switch it. That's a, the term they call it. Um, is it cross culture is what you're trying to say? Or what? No, they say like if you speak to a person, that's like um, you speak to a person, you sound like this. You speak to a different person of a different culture, you sound like a different one. They call it like a switch or something like that as well. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, I think there was something. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know. I think it's Australian like, slang is amazing, man. They be having so many cool. <laughs> Bro, the first time I went to Australia, I at first, man, they had to like educate me on everything because they would say all these slang words, and I'm just like, bro, I'm so yeah, lost right now. You're a slang, you know? man. Yeah. And, uh, exactly. after, then, I, then I felt awesome when I came back the second year to Australia. I'm like, yo, I'm like trying to, hey, yo, man, let's suss it out. You know, let's, what's up? You know, like <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. like the same words. They would say, oh, that's a bit dodgy, man. And yeah. I, I'm like, oh, snap. I'm, I'm like, I'm, get, I'm getting like, yeah, yeah. like respect from them, you know. Exactly, exactly. It was like, that's hectic. You know what I'm saying? It's so funny. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, they would call it like, um, yeah, you speak with different people and you speak a bit differently. That's what they say that Malaysians do, which I, I don't blame yeah. them because we have so many like different cultures and the way yeah, we speak is different in accent and language or whatever. But yeah, coming back to it. So I'm like, yo, I'm trying to accept my identity. I was like, okay, so I'm born as an Indian mixed with Chinese blood and mm-hmm. my mom is like this, I'm like this, I'm born into a Chinese family. There has to be a reason for all mm-hmm. of this. There has to mm-hmm. be some sort of like indication of my identity or something. And at the age of 18, I actually took it upon myself. I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to accept who I am and this is who I am. So when people tell me, it's like, yo, yeah, I'm um, I'm Chinese mixed with Indian. It's like, who am I? I'm like, I'm Aaron Louis Tengwe. It's a whole Chinese name. It's like, yeah, I'm mixed Indian. Uh, so they ask me next question and people ask me next question so which one of your parents is Indian or which one of your parents is Chinese <laughs> so yeah there people ask all sorts of questions and I'll be like yeah. well if I want to be funny with them um, if I want to be real straight okay I'll go with a straight one I'll be like 
also um I would just let them say whatever they want because sometimes they assume like, oh, so your mom is Indian? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's like some of them like, your dad is Indian? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because they assumed right. it. I was like, okay, your assumption, you assumed it. I just agree with you. I don't have to say nothing because I don't know you. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not, so in my eyes, I understand so people say I'm lying, whatever. I'm like, it's none of your business. You know what I'm saying? But if they want to, if they want to like probe a bit further, and I'll be a bit funny, and I'll be like, "So both of my parents are Chinese." They'd be like, "What?" Then yeah, you just dumb, <laughs> then they'd be like, "Dumbfounded." Oh. Yeah, they'd be dumbfounded, but some of them are smart enough. They'd be like, "So then they'd be like, very, they'd be very cute." They'd be like, "Oh, so I'm gonna ask you a question, but I, I don't want you to be offended." Like, so um, are you adopted? <laughs> so <Yeah>. funny. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're a smart one. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm adopted. Then we can have a proper conversation. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because so, then you're actually interested to know about it. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, because I was just thinking about it now. Like, so as you, as you grew up, you already said, mm-hmm. you mentioned you got bullied and stuff by um, different Chinese kids in school or just different, you know, yeah. people or whatever. And like, as you were finding this identity and stuff, like, did you... Did you feel like you kind of vibed with everybody and like you had friends of all the different kind of ethnic groups or did you gravitate more towards like hanging out with Chinese people more? Like who did, who do you identify with as you kind of built up making friends? Yeah, man. This is a really good question because um, this one goes right to the core of my thinking and how my outlook and the lens that I'm actually looking at. When Mm -hmm. I actually spoke to my best friend about it, I'll be like, yo, I feel like seeing Chinese people all around me. That's my culture. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't look like them. So when so when you're in a Chinese culture, like I said, everyone speaks about every other person. Mm-hmm. It's just natural. Or yeah. it's just not natural. It's just um whatever. They call it um there's this thing. It's not racism in Malaysia, it's something else, it's ethnocentrism or whatever. So it's like one ethnicity is higher than the next because of a culture. Yeah, superior, yeah, yeah, people people yeah, they people the superiority sometimes they think someone's just yeah. people are so it's pride. That, <laughs> at the end of the day you want to say it's pride. Yeah. Everybody's exactly. got so, some kind of pride about themselves and their cultures. Yeah. So so in terms of that, um I gotta say that most of my friends are Chinese friends. Okay. And, yeah. But I, I could, I could, which I have as well, mixed with the um, Malay, uh, some mm-hmm. of the my friends who are Malay as well, and Muslims as well, and also Indians as well. But this is the thing, right? So in high school, in, in school that we, we go to, so there we have vernacular schools as well. So when we were like in, um, I'll say grade 10, probably grade 9, right? So in grade 9, it was the grade where all the vernacular schools were actually coming to the government school in in high school that was like middle junior high yeah mm-hmm. probably you call it junior high so grade nine right so we had like um, Indian people from the Tamil school so when they learned their curriculum it's in Tamil right um, and we had Chinese people from the Chinese schools who learned their curriculum their sciences in Mandarin and then we had people like us right who were mm-hmm. like okay I'm Chinese I'm Malay I'm um, Indian whatever but I grew up with a Malay uh, system of culture. That's our language of, that's our medium for learning or English was our first language. So when wow. we came into school in that sense, right, it's like really, really different because it was like a segregation of cultures and languages and it was just like, yo, yeah, sure. everybody's just so weird. <laughs> you know what yeah, everyone's separated. So we just clicked with, yeah, we are separated by language already mm-hmm. and culture. The way that we we speak and the way our mannerisms, our idiosyncrasies, everything. Like, so we had like the English speaking people 
So this is where superiority will even take place even in high school. The English-speaking people for us in Malaysia will be like, yo, we're, I'm talking about a government school, right? In, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about international school, private school. I'm saying government school. So we're like, yo, so the English-speaking people, we're like more superior because we have like more English, you know, we're better in English. We understand more, you know. We also probably English, just you know? honestly, practically, you have more global um, awareness yeah. because like you can, yeah. you know, you can tune in because the rest of the world, like most people speak English. And so you can yeah, be more exactly. in tune with what's kind of happening outside of your country. Exactly. And so because of that, like the the, the Indians who speak Tamil, like they came up from that, they're like on their own and they were like countable, you know what I'm saying? And then the, the uh, Chinese people who speak Mandarin solely or they can mm-hmm. speak a bit English, but the main language is Mandarin. And they didn't really fit in with this. Those who could, they can speak like they're really dope at it and stuff like that. But those who are not, they're like, so there's like typical Chinese, typical Indian, that's like typical Malay. And and then there's just a bunch of us who are just confused. You know what I'm saying? Like me, I'm just confused <laughs> at the end of the day. So yeah. because of that, I'm like, yo, I mean, coming people coming, like I said, coming calling me like black Chinese and all kind of stuff because of the way I speak, the way I, I look and all that. So come back to it. I actually grew up, most of my people were Chinese people and I actually have a tinge of racism in a sense or lens because my moms as well, you know, like our moms or whoever as all, you know, they say something about like, you know, the Indians and Malays or whatever it is. So I feel like sometimes when I look at them and I look at myself, I'm like, because I don't see my color in a sense. I, I, I've always seen Chinese people. So when I look at a Malay dude or an Indian dude, honestly, really, I'm just being really brutal here. It's like, I feel a bit There's different. assumption. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. I, when I, I saw that being from outside your guys' culture, because, I mean, I vibed with yeah. a lot of the Chinese people when I was there. I even lived with Chinese people when I was in Malaysia, so I got to absorb yeah. and understand their culture. And I think it is... Um, yeah. It's an assumption too, which is sad because I think that's passed down. And so it's like, sometimes you could just, yeah. it's almost like gossip or something. There's, there's things that it are is, factual and then there's things that's more just perspective. And so I think sometimes that exactly. perspective um, gets kind of tainted yeah. and it's, you just have that assumption. It's like here. So in the States people, obviously we have bad assumptions of, of black people. Right. And it's like a dude wears a hoodie. He sags his pants. He's automatically gangster dude or he wants to rob you or like, you know, you could be walking past that person and people that have bad assumption, they'll like, you know, put their hands on their pockets, like just out of like kind of a automatic response or self-defense kind of thing. Right. Right. It's like, oh, snap. Like because it's been it's what's been told. It's what's been yeah. assumed and so i actually i grew up with all all black friends almost actually i was the whitest person in our group you know i'm i'm half <laughs> i'm the yo it's like i said bro i vibe with you so much because we have such a mm-hmm. um we have we don't have a similar story but we have similar experiences and so yeah. i am i'm half puerto rican and half hungarian and i mm-hmm. know hardly wow. anything about my hungarian culture and stuff like that oh. but i grew up with a black dad who raised me and so I didn't even meet my Puerto Rican dad until I was 15 years old. And so that's, you know what I'm saying? That's for a whole nother episode. But bro, like I, I get it. Like when I would be around them, like I grew up, I could say I grew up in black culture. I grew up listening to rap music. All my boys, like we would, and in the same, again, everyone has this, right? There was this thing about us where like, they would talk about like white boys or whatever, you know, we had that term like, oh, that's a, like that white boy over there or whatever. And it's like funny because like, I was white <laughs> among them, yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But like, I, they just yeah. kind of, they didn't see, same way you just said it, like they didn't see color. Like they yeah. saw me as just one of them. Like they never yeah. treated me that way. But if we, like, I remember even yeah. one time, one of our friends, he want, he was a black dude, but he wanted a skateboard. 
And we're like, yo, you can't be doing that white boy stuff. Like, you can't skateboard, man. And, like, we, we made fun of him because he wanted to skateboard. Because, like, nah, we can go play basketball. You know what I'm saying? We're going to go yeah, yeah. We're gonna go rap in the basement, you know? And so, like, that, I understand that totally. Like, that's a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing to yeah. make bad assumptions, to, to um, have bad perspective of superiority. And and also yeah. ultimately, that's the opposite of the kingdom of God, right? Like in God's kingdom, yeah. we're all equal. We're all the same. If we yeah. actually modeled our society after a godly perspective and a kingdom perspective, we wouldn't have racism. We wouldn't have, yeah. you know, just segregation yeah. and, and even church. Like exactly. the, the, sometimes the one beautiful thing about churches that are, you know, doing it right, that are really following God's principles, not just man's principles, you see diversity. Right. You see, uh, uh, you, 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 dude, you could see a church in an inner city environment in any country bring tons of people together from different cultural backgrounds that usually wouldn't get together at all. And so it's just it's just so dope. And and that can help, you know, change, basically switch, switch that and change those bad assumptions and bad uh, perspectives by just having unity. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went, yeah. So I went, I went to this conference that had 60,000 people at it. It was in a stadium and it was the world. It was like one of the biggest missionary conferences in the world. I mean, it had, there was 60,000 people there and they had this segment where a dude came up, a black dude came up. And I mean, this is pre- all this stuff that we've been facing in the States here, this was about two, two years ago, a black dude came up and he preached and, you know, he gave a good word and he shared, but then they said, let's just pray for unity, bro. I, I wish I took a picture of it, but the people sitting behind me was like the two most cultural difference looking like stereotypes possible. You can get, there was like this, this dude with a trucker hat on, like, like he, he looked like a trucker kind of, you know, had a, the short, short sleeve shirt, you know, all that, like yeah. that stereotype. And then there was a, 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 a you know, African-American dude next to him. And like, they were like hugging each other and praying over each other. It was like literally the 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 example and the face to like what unity looks like. It was so beautiful. And that was happening all around the stadium. And so, you know, what I mean, it's just beautiful to see that like that's. And so I, I think that's a challenge to Christians, you know, going back to saying all that, even when I was in um. When I was in Malaysia, I understand there's a lot of sensitive things about Malaysia too, especially with Christianity and, yeah. and, and Islam and how they have their yeah. their um, opposition, basically. But like, yeah, yeah. just um, I think it's good to be someone who stands positive in those situations, like, you know, mm-hmm. to be yeah. Yeah. be the person. And so I think you get to experience it, really experience that um, hands on. But when you're, you know, you know, in Chinese, if you're <laughs> yeah. uh, if you're mixed then you yeah. get to kind of honestly yeah you could be a bridge bro you know it's it's so cool you can literally yeah. be a bridge between two races and it's beautiful yeah. go ahead no, i'm just saying that um because uh, malay as well and then um connecting with um the brothers and sisters who are like um in sabah sarawak i mean it's the eastern side of malaysia and uh-huh. they're yeah. kind of um malay language and all that i can actually be a bridge to the malay people as well the muslims in a way yeah. because I look like them. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 
That's yeah, cool. so like during like their their fasting one, I go to a mama that means like a like their own like a restaurant or whatever kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They refuse to serve me because they think I'm supposed to be fasting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, so oh, snap. it's dope in a way. <laughs> that snap, but it's dope in a way because not like, if you're hungry, I, but yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just want to say that yeah, I totally agree with your sentiments of like bridging because I believe that this is um that's why I like once I embrace my identity in Ephesians 1, where, you know, um, even before the, the foundation of the world, you know, in love, he predestined, you know, mm-hmm. us for adoption, you know, through uh, Jesus Christ, his son to be heirs according to the promise, right? Uh, yeah. to, to his glorious grace. That's in Ephesians 1. And that was actually how I managed to understand my identity. So coming back yeah. to it, it was like the doctrine of adoption. This is, uh, for me, it's like a fundamental um yeah, one of the yeah. fundamental Christian beliefs, the doctrine of adoption. Yeah, you Everyone, understand it more than probably the normal yeah. person would. Yeah. Yes, that's why when I speak to Christians, my own brothers and sisters, I tell them that you look, all right, you have been adopted once, mm-hmm. but yeah. doctrine of adoption <laughs> to me, I've yeah. been adopted twice. Wow. So it's like, yo, that's good. Man. I get it. You know what I'm saying? So because of that, like this doctrine is like this for me is like the driving force. It makes sense. Not only it makes sense, it's the truth because you know all of us we are now brothers and sisters co-heirs co-heirs with Christ and all, mm-hmm. and we all adopted into the kingdom. That's why yeah. we're talking about like you know the culture all has to change. That's why when you're talking about unity, I was just reminded of Galatians uh, three twenty eight where it says that Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female nor right. Gentile. Um, yeah, it's like everybody is one in Christ. Mm-hmm. So That's that good. was how I navigated um, those uh, re- those years as well, up to leading up to 18 and onwards and all the way up to now. Like that was only 10 years ago. And yeah. I was 18 up to now that I fully like understood like um, who I am, what I'm supposed to do, my identity wow. and all this. And going back to all the spoken word rap and this is all just like an amalgamation of everything. And then here you are, the deft. <laughs> you know what I'm Dope, man. Um, I think kind of to like bring everything like, I mean, we've talked about a lot today. We got to get to know you a lot more, man. And I mean, yeah, just hearing your story every time is really encouraging. I think you've really been through a lot of adversity and things in life that honestly you could have been bitter about or really just you could be a whole different person right now. But it's been it's God's grace, dude. And like just the person that you become is really encouraging and so i'd, I'd ask you to kind of like for the viewers to, to speak to the, the the listeners and stuff like that like um what kind of encouraging thing could you say like i think the adoption thing you said was just powerful too but like people uh who are pursuing their own art and craft whether they're doing music as well maybe there's other fellow rappers out there that might listen to this podcast like what do you, is there anything you would say to them to just kind of encourage people to pursue their dreams well, I'll say that um, be original, be yourself, but more yeah. like own it. Like yeah. what you have is um, your story. It's you. Everyone has a different story and yeah. each, and everybody has a different life, a different journey, a different lens. And I guess when we, uh, the music is an extension of ourselves. So if we are honest to ourselves and honest to the music, then it will naturally flow both ways in a sense. If I'm honest to myself, I'll be really honest with my music and whatever I want to say straight from my music is unfiltered, unhindered in a way where, again, as long as it gives glory to God, my art, um, let, let it be whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? So mm. I can speak about um, whatever it is, a topic, but my worldview is because I'm adopted into kingdom. So I have this worldview that this has to be through the glory of God. So even if I'm speaking about something which is not necessarily... Um, Christian per se, 
but yeah. a worldview of that Christian, but, but it's from, it flows from your identity. See, so I guess you got to know who you are because like you mentioned from the get-go of this episode, it says that this is probably like the question that a lot of people are asking, especially in this generation. Like, who are we? Yeah. Right? Because you're just so confused. Like, especially now it's like a bombardment of information. I guess the only thing is like, you got to slow it down. You got to slow it down. Look at yourself. Not only look inside, don't be only introspective, but look at the word. Definitely like figure out like, you know, there's a creator, there's intelligent design, you know, like figure out like what is your purpose? What what am I supposed to do? Who am I? Then whose am I? I think that's very important for me when I found out that this is who I am, but not only that, like whose I am, who I belong to. Man, that's crazy because it just reminded me that royalty flows in my veins. I am of royal blood. And whatever that anybody says about me, that's is besides the point. And it's actually, there's no power over me because God says something totally different. He says that you're loved and you're created for a specific purpose. So my encouragement for everybody is to know their purpose in Christ, in God, and there's fulfillment, there's joy. And whatever adversity that comes into your, to your, to your way, you're fine because he got you. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good, bro. You're preaching right now. That's good. <laughs> well, man, I mean, I'm so privileged that we had this opportunity, man. I mean, I feel like we should have more episodes. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, we got, we got, we like, got a lot of it afraid. done. But it's like, whoa, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations yeah, to the, like, the first yeah, podcast like, um, for Switch to Culture. Um, for everyone who's yeah. listened in, who will listen in, man, just... Just be encouraged today, guys, like pursue your dreams. If you like, doesn't matter um, what kind of adversity you face, man, you can do whatever. You could be a rapper, you could be a break dancer, you could be anything you, you want to be. And um, nothing has to stop you, even a challenge to the level of your identity as in, in a race and, and or people accepting you just for who you are, because um, you need to know who you are first before you can become any type of artist. It doesn't matter what you pursue. And so, um, you know, we're going to end this segment with the death with a dope fresh track. Uh, and uh, again, let's just uh, just go ahead and say your your media again so that we know what it is for people to to find you. So it's just. Yo, what's just- up, guys? This is um, the inaugural episode of Switch to Culture. And it's boy, the death, the D-A-D-E-F-T on all social media handles. handles yeah. So, yeah. All right, man. Enjoy. We're going to end on this and uh, listen to this dope song. Yeah. I need y'all feel this. Uh. You ready? Listen to the words. I'm ready. But I'm expletives, they to track with a feces It's intrinsic in my nature, I'm a mother to these pieces No rapper can emulate this, it's my story and I own this But I'm not the king on the throne, this ain't my life, I just lease it Believe me when I release all my emotions, I'm peace When I lose my mind, I become a strange to things around me Now this beat, another dimension I transcend Can't explain to you with letters, no can I do it with words Got the crap and all this cheddar, making it sharp to the point Nothing cheesy with this, just my attempts to make it greater Hope I put you at ease like peas at the side of the dish With some mess and some slow, do feast on this Be caution lest you wake up at all, then all 
fall At the end of the day when I'm reminded of Paul Can't believe how hard he rose then After the fall, after the call <laughs> Light blinding and all He couldn't see for a couple of days Blind I was all but then Like the prophet Isaiah in the old The more he saw the glory The more he became cold He froze in the behold Till an angel touched him with the cold God's holiness transferred to him from his abode But that is not the end That's only the beginning Cause the prophet Isaiah got wrecked from the sinning Oh it's only me A man so unclean I live among the people whose lips are unclean Like Romans chapter 7 I do know what I mean But it's the sin that is at work with me And this is what I be I'm not a free man Relatively to the laws inside of me But a slave to idol One of them that is at work within me Theology Yo Theology Uh Get wrecked Get wrecked